Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung. More wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back for another UFC DFS strategy show. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. Pete, how you doing, man? What is going on? I'm I'm doing well. How are you? Oh man, it's a cra- crazy day here in the office. Like I feel like I've just not stopped going all day long, man. It's uh it's crazy, you know. By the way, you know, just uh posted my interview with Ashley Yoder, talked to her the other day, so be sure to uh check that out over at, at on, on my YouTube channel and whatnot. So yeah, man, it's uh it's a busy day, man. I'm kind of looking forward to this weekend, maybe a, a little relaxing weekend for me. The last two days, man, I've just been absolutely nut. But uh UFC back in Vegas, I guess the big thing would be is uh back to the twenty five foot cage, Pete. Yeah, small cage, man. And uh, you know, if you recall the small cage really produced some exciting fights. Could have been coincidence, I'm not sure. I think it's definitely because of the uh, limited space pressing action and forcing the fighters to engage more than they're accustomed to. Um, You know, last week was great, man. I feel like we absolutely killed it. I hope you guys made some great money, saw tons of screenshots, and uh, we're we're looking to do the same this week. Yeah, man, if you hit some of those big underdogs last week, if you you counted on uh, Jesse Ronson and and Fabricio Verdum, you – you put yourself in the big scenario. I mean, Jesse Ronson breaking the slate last week. Uh, you know, just man, if you if you call that one, man, kudos to you. I know we we did have some watch that did tell us. Of course, be sure to hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube. Uh, hit uh, start lining up those questions, comments right now in the chat. Of course, we are sponsored by SuperDraft. We'll tell you about the offer SuperDraft has going out for you right now. Of course, you always want to, they're always a sponsor here, and always look at those multipliers. Who are the multipliers you do like? But but of course, uh, you know, Pete, let's get right into the main event. Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian. Of course, initially, this wasn't supposed to be the main event of this fight card. It was supposed to be Holly Holm and Arena Aldana. Of course, uh, I think everyone pretty much knows why Arena Aldana had to pull out of the fight. Uh, and now this is a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. I think that is something that you have to note if you're thinking of this potentially going five rounds, even though Edmund Shabazian... Uh, He's only made it out of the first round once in his 11 fights, and that was making it to the third round in his UFC debut. But uh, let me start off here with Derek Brunson. Okay. Losses in the UFC, Yoel Romero, Robert Whitaker, Anderson Silva, Jacare Souza, Israel Adesanya. What's his best win? Is it Leota Machida? Is it Lorenz Larkin? Yeah, it's probably Machida. I mean, you know, between Machida and Larkin, uh, you know, he's fought some legitimate competition and ultimately come up short. So I can't fault him because he's fighting the who's who of the division. But, um, you know, he's a little too reckless, especially early on in his UFC career where he is hunting knockouts and finishes, but leaves his chin right up in the air and does have some defensive deficiencies. 
and it leads to him getting finished more often than not. But he also has some incredible wrestling in his back pocket. So it's just a matter of if he's going to use it, because if he tries to stand with Evan Shabazian, oh boy, that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah, I mean, I think the one question that I have about Derek Brunson is, is this a fighter that has evolved throughout the years, especially when it comes to head movement? Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I think, you know, he is what he is at this point of his career as far as uh, striking. But you could you could talk about game plan. And I think that we have started to see a, you know, an adaptation to his style where he started to resort to his takedowns again, possibly because he's dropped, I don't know how many fights due to, due to KO. Uh, you know, if you think about the back-to-back losses of Jacare and Israel Adesanya, both by TKO, then he decided to start, you know, let me win some fights by going back to my wrestling. Four takedowns against Elias and then two takedowns against Ian Heinish. So I think that's the strategy here. And, I mean, his coaches better be telling him to uh, take him down because standing at range or, you know, trying to dirty box with Edmund Shabazi is not a good idea. Um, maybe the smaller cage helps him in this scenario of getting his hands on Shabazi. Yeah, uh, you know, um, Derek Brunson's one back-to-back fights, decision wins against Elias Theodore and Ian Hynish. Ian Hynish fight, he gets rocked, what, first 15 seconds of that fight? Yeah. And, and pretty much has to go into takedown mode at that point. Yeah, he's going to be in takedown mode from the get-go in this fight, and uh, that would be this smart strategy. But the problem with just going into takedown mode right off the rip is, you know, it's easy to predict. Uh and, you know, Shabazian knows that Brunson is going to be trying to take him down. And if Brunson starts to overextend and telegraph his takedowns, I think that Shabazian can really pick him apart. 9,100 for Shabazian here. It's an incredible play. I like him here. I have, I'll have plenty of shares of him. Excellent stand-up fighter. You know, great boxing. Does have some good takedowns as well. So when he does get tired, he likes to resort to the takedowns. Averaging 6.7 takedowns per 15 minutes, which is nuts. I think it could be using his wrestling uh, defensively in this matchup to keep it up on the feet in order to uh, take Brunson out. But 9,100, I don't know if you need the main event this week, though, Jason, in case Shabazian doesn't get the finish. So it's not a five-round bout. Don't think that you need the main event, but I'll have plenty of Shabazian. Man, I don't know if you're reading my mind that I was going to bring that up next. Of like, hey, man, do you have to? Because every week we're talking about, you know, pre, you know, it's, I mean, ninety five percent of the time we're like, you got a roster in main event. Yeah, it's a five round fight, you know, and, and all these things. Um, I guess the question is, if Shabazian wins quick, a does it pay off for you, and b does that equal he goes in the optimal lineup? I say if he wins quick, it does because he's not a high-end 9,000 option. It's not like we're talking about Chamayev at 9,800 who absolutely murked his opponent. We're talking about Shabazian at 9,100 and a first-round win, and then you add some significant strikes or a takedown or a knockdown, he's, he'll definitely clear at 9,100. So take that out of your head if, uh, if that's your concern. Your only concern could be if Brunson gets his hands on him and it turns into more of a grappling fight than uh, – what you're accustomed to seeing with Shabazian's quick wins, or if it goes all 15 minutes and he doesn't necessarily score the finish. Uh, we had a question in the chat, or more of a comment, I should say, in the chat. I'll get your your take on it. Uh, Brand says Shabazian is going to catch him with a knockout going for a takedown. Yeah, I mean, definitely. If he shows the knee, if he shows the uppercut, Brunson will be a little hesitant as well. I mean, I think Brunson's going to be a little bit more patient than people think 
because he has been reckless and paid the price for it. But we have seen Shabazian struggle with his cardio as the fight goes on in the Darren Stewart fight. So it's almost like whether that first round, get a feel for him, try to get your hands on him, score some points and everything, maybe weigh on him against the cage, you know, press him against the cage, try to zap his energy a little bit. But uh, I think Shabazian's the play here at 9,100. Brunson at 7,100. If he gets the takedowns and he does somehow win a decision, he will definitely be in the optimal. Would you say Shabazian's a lock on, on Superdraft at 1.2? Yeah, I, I like Shabazian. All platforms, 20, on FanDuel, uh, you're, you're talking about a nice striker. That's just a – he has good first-round potential. We've seen Brunson get wobbled and staggered by – I don't know how – I've lost count of how many opponents now. So uh, his chin's not getting any better, and you know the, the damage of his career is starting to catch up to him, and you're starting to see it. Steven asked about top three uh, FanDuel locks. We'll kind of get into that question as we go on, but kind of to uh, answer a portion of that right here, and you just mentioned, is Shabazian, even at $20, he, he's a lock on FanDuel for you? Yeah, I, I don't like that word, but I definitely will say that Shabazian's uh, a part of the people I'm going to uh, have a lot of. I'll have plenty of sh- uh, Shabazian shares. Uh, Rhett saying, uh, loved your advice last week, helping get a payday. So, uh, congrats to you there. By the way, you remember on Saturday, we were taught, we were joking about the people in my neighborhood who like to mow the lawn early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> leaving the, leaving the house yesterday morning at like eight fifteen, someone's mowing the yard. Oh goodness. They're, uh, that's, they're playing a dangerous game right now with the neighbors. <laughs> dude, dude, tell you it's not before 11 o'clock for me. Yeah. I, I can't blame you on that one. You know? Look, I'm just trying to avoid hurricane this weekend. That's what I'm trying to do here. Oh, yeah. So live before lock, you guys might be stuck with just me. And uh, well, it's it's it started to. Well, I haven't seen the five o'clock, uh, the eleven o'clock forecast. It has doing a, a right turn hitting the east coast of Florida instead of the west coast of Florida. So okay. being uh, here in, in Tampa, feel, feeling much better about that. Yeah. So you should have me on. You know, there's a lot of me on Osmo this week. I got uh, after we do this show, I'm doing the MLB early bird. Uh, podcast, and then uh, I've got the MLB Live Before Lock tomorrow afternoon, and uh, apparently I'm doing NASCAR on Saturday as well. So a lot of me this weekend here on Awesome L. Hey, man, it's warranted. You're a great host and uh, killing the game, man. So I'm glad this, that things are starting to come your way. Yeah, but def- I'm, I'm all over Shabazian in that one. He's going to be a, a staple in yeah. – I'm, I, he won't be in all my lineups, but he'll be in a majority of my lineups. Yeah, I mean – I like him here. You've seen Brunson get knocked down and wobbled. You're talking about Shabazian, 11 and 0, 4 and 0 in the UFC, 91% finish rate. He is relatively green. If you think about like, this is his toughest fight, 100%. This is his toughest fight. And will he rise to the occasion or will he let Brunson into a closer fight than it should be? By the way, Rhett goes, uh, obviously, this is a relation to the lawnmower. My neighbor would get the fire hose for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Oh god. Sometimes I, you know, because I'm I'm an early riser, Pete. I'm an early riser. You know, uh, I mean, you know, you know, I get about five thirty, six o'clock every morning. Yeah, so I, I get the sense you're not up that early. I get the sense yeah, you're not that depends. I have training or not. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, Cobain of it, uh, JoJo Calderwood against Jennifer Maya. Of course, JoJo the favorite in this one. And uh, you told me I had to mention something. That we were talking about on the phone a little earlier today where JoJo Calderwood, she's 10th MMA gods here. She had a title fight. Yeah. She is now taking a fight because uh, Valentina's, you know, they were supposed to fight back in June. 
she uh, pulled out of the fight due to injury. So JoJo's taking this fight. Pete, she is tempting the MMA gods here. Tempting the MMA gods to lose. And, uh, you know, passing on a title fight and just trying to t- take another fight to stay active. And how many times do we see this backfire? But guess what? I think Calderwood here gets it done. Um, I think, you know, Calderwood is is really coming into her own here. She's 33. Six and four in the UFC, facing Maya, who's two and two in the UFC. The output from Calderwood is crazy. Six strikes a minute, absorbing four. So the defense isn't like amazing, but her output is what, you know, will produce nice scores for her at 8,700. She has struggled in the past where she'll get caught in a submission. And Maya is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but the takedowns aren't there. Um, Maya averages... uh, 0.25 0.25 takedowns per 15 minutes. That's essentially nothing. The worry here is if Calderwood, for some reason, is getting pressed by the plotting coming forward, Maya, with her, uh, you know, big hooks into, you know, pressure, that maybe Calderwood resorts to the takedown. She's averaging 1.85 per 15 minutes. And Maya off of her back sneaks in a sub. Because honestly, that's really the only way I'm seeing Maya taking this fight from Calderwood. I like Calderwood at 8,700. I feel pretty safe saying that. Would you agree with Brandon in the chat that Calderwood could be a sneaky play this week? Um, Yeah, I think so. I mean, she's averaging 75 DraftKings points per minute, six strikes a minute, absorbing four, 1.85 takedowns. So her activity is incredible. But the worry is her finishing ability, which for women's MMA is, is generally low, 43% finish rate. Um, but her work rate can basically outperform her salary at 8,700. So despite her lack of finishing ability, I think it's a nice spot here for Calderwood at 8,700. 16 on Fandle is crazy cheap too. All right. What do you think the over two and a half rounds is on this one? Minus on the betting odds. Minus 350. Uh, you are close, bro. You're close. Minus 400. See, I'm getting there. Dude, if you think a stop's coming under two and a half rounds, that's plus 325. Ooh, yeah, I'll save that for somebody else. I, I think that the smart thing here is just to play Calderwood straight up or nothing at all. By the way, Jen Maya, two and two in the UFC. By the way, she's missed weight in back-to-back fights. Yeah. I think that's something to note. Uh, her last eight fights have gone the distance, and her last stoppage win came in 2015. So I think those are uh, very important notice uh, notes to know about in terms of this fight. Of course, this is the DFS Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com. Of course, we are sponsored by Superdraft, the future of daily fantasy sports. Has arrived. Experience Super Draft's exclusive game mode multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and a load of lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Super Draft offers contests for NBA, MLB, PGA, NASCAR, and MMA so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Super Draft today using the promo code AWESOMEMO10 and it's $10 free on your first deposit of $10 or more. And $20 total free on your first deposit of $100 or more. Download the App Store, play at superdraft.io, superdraft, no limits, more winning. Of course, uh, we all know sports is back as we do this show live. 
the Jazz and Pelicans are playing on, on, on the television here in my office. And uh, we are giving you your first month of Awesome Plus half off when you use the code RESTART at checkout. That's only $45 for a month of Awesome's leading DFS projections, tools, and content for NBA, MLB, PGA, and more. Celebrate the return of sports with this great deal. You won't find a better value anywhere else. Take advantage of this offer very soon because this offer does. Seeing is believing. And you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever expire on august the third once again that is promo code restart you mentioned about all those great tools right now we got a free premium content up at awesome.com pete and that is the ma top fighter tool that's one of the tools that uh, alex puts together and uh, i'm always checking that one out uh, by the way kudos alex for taking down some money this week heard heard, heard about that big winning man Hey, kudos to him for taking that one down, man. Uh, we're, we're trying to take down this big money here on all the platforms coming up here uh, this week in terms of what's going on here. And, uh, of course, if you do have any questions uh, for the show, be sure to uh, hit them up right there in the YouTube chat. If this is your first time watching us, what we do is we break down all the fights. And, uh, you know, if we don't get your questions, we'll break down the fights. We'll get to them towards the end of the show. Plus, we'll give you our picks at the end of the show as well. Uh, then we got a matchup that I think a lot of people are going to be looking at in terms of their roster construction. And that is Vicente Luque and Randy Brown. Of course, Vicente Luque, 11-3 uh, in the UFC. He's won a fight of the night bonus in three of his last five fights seven and one in his last eight uh by the way all of his ufc losses have come by decision randy brown uh started four and three in the ufc but he has won back-to-back fights pete uh, what's your breakdown of this one okay say that again say what you said luke with the fight of the night say that one more time three of his last five fights have been the fight of the night bonus winner now why is that jason it's because the man is always in close fights and uh that's sometimes a good thing and sometimes a very bad thing and if you're in fight of the nights right and you're not getting performance of the nights. That means that you're letting your opponent into fights that you really shouldn't be in a back and forth contest. So I think Luke is going to carry some heavy, heavy ownership here. And of course it's warranted because the guy is so, so talented. I love Vicente Luque. 8,800. You talk about a guy who is incredible for DFS 92 fantasy points at his average time in the cage, Jason, in his UFC fights, eight minutes and 47 seconds. That means he gets people out of there, but when he does not, it is a close fight. And people like Mike Perry make fights closer than they should be. Like, you should not be having a back-and-forth type of fight with Mike Perry. Luke should have went out there and outclassed him and put him away, and he didn't. Now, the issue here is all that damage from those fight of the nights that you speak of. And I think that Randy Brown here at 7,400 is sneaky. Now, I think this is a fight you need to target. And the, the winner of this fight will be an optimal. I, I would... I would like to say it will be in the optimal because Luke's output's crazy. Um, 5.6 strikes per minute and his, uh, his damage absorbed is 5.79 strikes per minute. So he actually has a negative ratio, which is crazy. Um, that could be inflated from some wars, of course. And he does have a great finishing ability of 89%. Um, if you look at Randy Brown, you know, they have a, they have a similar opponent, Nico Price. And Nico Price actually hammer-fisted uh, Randy Brown from the bottom and KO'd him because of it. And Nico Price against uh, Vicente Luque 
their last bout was teeing off on Vicente Luque and really hurting him and wobbling him. And Vicente's really taken so much damage. And how much more damage can he take? I mean, he has a great chin now, but when will that chin start to abandon him? And against a very, very crisp striker in Randy Brown, I'm going to take some shots on Randy Brown, bro. I think that this could be a nice spot for him. He's 6'3", has a three-inch reach advantage. And uh, maybe I'm just riding the Brown train by myself, but I like him here. I I think that he can expose the defensive deficiencies of Vicente Luque in this matchup. Uh, Chris messaged in the chat. He says, uh, people keep betting on Luque's chin giving out, but I don't think this is a spot. Smaller cage, Randy won't be able to stick on the outside as easily. Get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, you know, it's totally true. Um, but it'll also like if Randy can actually keep him away from him and hurt him, you know, as Vicente's looking to get, you know, close that gap. I really think that uh, you can see him wobble him here. And the obvious pick is Vicente Luque. I mean, that's pretty easy. But the job is trying to find an underdog under 7K you can get behind Jason. And if it's not Randy Brown, which other 7K option you guys like and you guys feel confident in? Because I'll tell you what, I'll take my chances on on Randy Brown here rather than some other spots that I think are just desperate Hail Marys. Okay, so you love Randy Brown. Oh, I shouldn't say love. You yeah. like Randy Brown on yeah. DraftKings. Yeah. Uh, How about FanDuel? Yeah, I mean. 17 and 15. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a close fight. And the thing is, is if Luke doesn't put him out early or put him away early, and it's a back-and-forth type of fight. Randy Brown definitely can rise to the occasion and accumulate a ton of strikes and a ton of points because it's going to be what I think is going to be a striking war. Um, I think their wrestling should negate each other, and Luke, people say that he has an incredible ground game, which he does, but I think that they're underestimating Randy Brown's takedown defense um, and also his ability to get back to the feet. So I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Um, Luke at minus 200. It's a tough fight, man. And you talk about a guy who has crazy, crazy boxing skills. So, um, you know, I'll take my stabs with 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 Randy Brown here at 7,400, but I'm not avoiding Vicente Luque. I think this you need this fight. You mentioned about the finishing rate, and people can see it right now up on, on the screen with the, the heat sheet, of course. It's also available at awesomeo.com. You have 10 fighters on this card with a 80% or higher finish rate. I think that's something I know there was uh, I think I want to say it was Samuel asked in, in a chat a little while ago, you know, could this be a car with a bunch of decisions? I, I, I think this is one, you know, the smaller cage to me, it, 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 it brings engagement. I think is about the best way to print. You know, if you're a fighter that, you know, tends to move around a lot, there's just, while it's only five feet in difference, once you actually start to look at the dimensions, you realize how much smaller it is and how much less real estate there is to move around. Yeah, and the thing is, is you can't really be a slow starter with a small cage because if you're a slow starter, your opponent most likely is on top of you you know, and uh, unleashing on you, and that's just the facts of whether they're hitting you with strikes or they're pressing the engagement for grappling. And, uh, you know, any of these fighters can come out hot and really start to establish dominance in there and, you know, octagon control and really just press in action. So I'll take some shares of Randy Brown at 7,400. We always joke about on this show, how much you love the 8,000 versus 8,200 matchup. You got it right last week though. 
I broke the curse, bro. <laughs> you broke the curse last week. Uh, but And then we got that one here with, with Bobby Green and Lando Veneta, a rematch between these two guys. Uh, the first time they met, it was a draw. And uh, if I can find my piece of paper where I had the actual uh, numbers on it, where in the first fight, Lando Veneta scored 85 points in a draw, which is crazy. Had one knockdown, four takedowns in in that fight. Bobby Green scored 51 and a half. So if either one of those guys would have got the decision, add another 30 points to your score. Um, Now heading into their their second meeting here, Bobby Green, uh, he has gone to the distance in nine of his last ten fights. The only time uh, his last stoppage win, you got to go all the way back to 2013 Versus James Krause. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, this fight's, you know, it's going to, going to be fireworks. Renata in the UFC is 3-4-2, and two, and Green is 6-5-1. and one. Talk about two extremely strange records for, for UFC records. Um, and if you look at Green, he has a 68% chance of uh, – 68% finish rate. So, you know, rematches tend to be somewhat similar and slightly different. And we started to really see Green – Get, it, get some momentum behind him as the fight went on. Venata looked good early um, and has the takedowns to resort to. And you also think about Green and his past performance against Clay Guida. He kind of disappointed a little bit, in my opinion. I thought that he could have you know, put Guida away, but Guida was able to take him down, and he did get back to his feet. But uh, I thought that was a nice spot for him. I think this matchup's a little bit easier for him here. Uh, Venata and Green are going to be engaging on the feet for Bell to Bell. You're talking about 8,200, 8,000 on DraftKings. FanDuel, they are hating on Bobby Green at $12 versus Venata at 18. So if you're back in uh, Bobby Green here, like I am, I think Bobby Green is going to be able to get it done. I think the $12 is nice. Ty, if you're listening, $12 for Bobby Green's a nice little piece that you can add. 1.45 on, on Superdraft is nice as well. Um, I think the problem is Venata takes so many shots. And if you look at the stats, he throws 4.72 strikes per minute and absorbs 4.73. So it's almost a push, but he does get hit quite a bit and tends to allow his opponents back into fights where he'll start off great and look hot early. And it's almost like he starts to fade as the fight goes on. Bobby Green's durable. I like Bobby Green here at 8,000 with the discount. Yeah. And Brand mentioned in the chat, you know, Green's price on FanDuel. I mean, that's. I, that's a hard price to ignore when you're built, when you're looking for that lower, you know, salary fighter on FanDuel at twelve dollars. Um, to me, that that's someone that I'm going to be, you know, kind of targeting in a good amount of FanDuel lineups. Um, let me mention this question that uh, or comment that Andrew brought up, saying, "Should we consider stacking this fight?" Okay, so stacking. There's no five round bouts, right? So if you want to get cute, so to speak, and you want to stack some fights. You should stack fights that are either going to be scramble fests for both sides, not just one side, or back and forth striking affairs. So, like, uh, I say Vicente Luque, Randy Brown could be interesting uh, if it stays on the feet for all 15 minutes. And I also think Venata and Green could do the same here. Ultimately, you are going to have one victor and one loser unless it goes a draw again, but I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, it's not a terrible strategy, Jason. No, it's not. Uh, Joe, appreciate the uh, tip there uh, in the chat on YouTube. He says, all right, Jason, Pete, who's your guys' locks of the week? And fight on the card, that could be a snooze fest. Bummer, no Chimaev on this card. Yeah. Um, in terms of my uh, um, uh, let's just snooze, let me go snoozer first. Hmm. 
I got one. Who, who you got? I think the uh, Valiev and Emmer's fight could could disappoint a little bit. I think yeah, that uh, Valiev is uh, UFC ready. Should have been in the UFC for a, a while now, and is definitely a prospect. But I think that Emmer's is going to look to be safe. He dropped the fight to Giga Chikadze. And Valayad moving up a weight class, we'll get to it. But I think that uh, I think they're both going to be safe and looking to do just enough to squeak by on the judges. And you're talking about guys that have a 44% finish rate and a 59% finish rate. Yeah, in terms of of, of locks of the week, um, let, me, let me press this in more language you would prefer. Who are you comfortable with picking this yeah. week? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, we don't say that L word, bro. Okay. Uh, Shabazian is a guy I feel really confident in. Um, I feel confident in Calderwood as well. The Luke Brown fight, I don't really, I, I know that fight's going to be in the optimal, but I can see it honestly going either way. And uh, Ray Borg, I mean, we'll get to him as well. Ray Borg's another name that I circled and I probably have a ton of. Yeah. Um, Hussein Spicely is my lock of the week. Ooh, we know a lot about Spice Lee, and I know that, a lot about Spice Lee being in New England. So we'll get to that. I'll help you guys out with that. That's a bold call. That's a bold I'll, call. I, I would. That. Yep. Yeah, that would. I would definitely. That would not be a fight I would look at as someone I feel uh, confident on either side of the equation in that one. Uh, next up, uh, the uh, first fight on the main card. By the way, this entire fight card is on ESPN Plus. So you got to have that ESPN Plus subscription to watch the fights. We got Kevin Holland taking on Trevin Giles. Kevin Holland, four uh, one since losing his UFC debut. Uh, let me let me ask you this: Who is Kevin Holland's best win? His wins in the UFC: John Phillips, yeah, God, <laughs> Gerald Mershart, yeah. Alessio DiCherico. Anthony Hernandez. Yeah, 100% it's Mearshart. And I don't care what Mearshart, you know, how he's been lacking of late. Mearshart has some great wins and some good skills. And, uh, you know, you think about last time Kevin Holland was in the cage, we were all over him. I know I I was at least, and I think you agreed with me that we love Kevin Holland in that fight against uh, Fluffy. So here at 8,900, you're talking about borderline 9,000 option and basically inflating his price price because of his previous performance it's warranted though jason he has 82 percent finish rate the guy's average minutes in the cage is only 11 minutes and 55 seconds whereas giles is 12 minutes and 14 seconds i think this is another juicy fight to target and uh you could be looking at an upset here or you could be looking at holland coasting to a victory but man there are some things i heard on some interviews that i don't really like jason you know what i'm talking about yeah, the shoulder. The shoulder is, is something, and you know that's obviously any fighter how important the shoulder is. Uh, Brandon had asked. He said he goes Holland is going to be overrun because of performance last time out. I think he wins though. By the way, uh, pulling up our projections on ownership over on DraftKings, we're projecting uh, as we currently state here on Thursday evening, Holland at thirty-seven percent over on FanDuel, forty-six percent. Yeah, that's about right, and. Um... You know, I might be a little bit, I might be a little underweight on Holland this week. And the reason is, is what I mentioned, the interview that we spoke of, he was talking about how, you know, he had that quick win and was supposed to be booked within the next week or two and had to pull out and his management and his team basically said, you know, know, the best idea was to pull out of the fight. Mm -hmm. And then he visited some specialists and some, some true top doctors and 
it sounded like they wanted him to have surgery and sit on the shelf for a little bit. And what he was saying in the interview was, I don't care what anybody says. I need to get back out there and get active because I had some momentum behind me from that great win. I look great. Tons of people were talking about me. I got to stay relevant and I got to get back out there. And Holland and Giles know each other pretty well and know of each other pretty well. Seeing is believing. And you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But when he was talking about how he had so much lack of movement, flexibility, anything in that shoulder, and it was hampering him so bad, but he had other tools and other ways to win the fights, seems like you're really bothered by that shoulder. And I wonder how it's going to affect his performance here against Trevin Giles, who a lot of people think this is just an easy matchup. And I feel like it's going to be closer than that. Um, Holland has great chokes, good striking, and Giles leaves his neck out there and gets exhausted. But so does Holland. Holland gets exhausted. So maybe the big body of Giles against the cage just, you know, presses against them. But I'm going to be slightly underweight here, Jason. I wouldn't be surprised if Giles put off the upset. Uh, Joe, once again, appreciate the uh, tip there on, on YouTube. Uh, we're going to get into Merchart here in a little bit uh, where he said, he goes, I hate to say, but Merchart 205 could be a good for, fit for him, but I hope my dude Short Fuse Herman can get it done. That's going to be an interesting one to kind of talk about here. We're going to talk about that fight momentarily. Merchart just got knocked out, what, 45 days ago? Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's, that's going to be one to get into. Uh, something I want to mention about ownership. And this is more on the FanDuel side of things than the DraftKings side of things. When you're building your FanDuel lineup, especially this week, of course you're going to have lines where you want to put Shabazian as your captain. But you've got to be, you got to look contrarian on FanDuel and look at other fires. And and maybe Kevin Holland is that type of guy. Yeah, I, I'm not hating on Kevin Holland. I just I'm going to be slightly underweight because. The skills are there. His finishing ability, 82% finish rate, he's there. I can see him finishing Giles on the feet or via submission. But how bad is his is his shoulder hurting him? And that's just a true thing. And I don't know how many people recognize that he's going into a fight hurt. And I know tons of fighters, and myself included, have gone into fights not 100%. That's just the reality of it. But if it's really going to hamper your performance um, – maybe you take a slightly underweight approach. You already know crazy ownership is going to be there. Um, so we'll have to see. But Giles, on the other hand, it's not like he's a full-time, full-time fighter. I mean, the guy is a full-time police officer and fights. Mm-hmm. And the balance of that as a true professional in, in the elite of the, the UFC, the, the top 2% of the world, something you got to take into consideration. So maybe the shoulder and the the non-full-time commitment to fighting nullify each other. 
But how can I say that when Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champion of the world, is a firefighter? So, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to balance. But, you know, find find something that you like in this matchup and, uh, you know, back that person. Look, anyone who follows you on IG, at Pete the Heat MMA, we, we, we see those stories. You're back in the gym, you know? Always, Always man. Yeah, I have to. I, I, I have it looks to like look, working hard over there with that cardio. Yeah, yeah, try. My girl's killing me. <laughs> Sometimes I just I, I look at the, the just the facial reaction on those IG stories and just it's like the comedy of my night. Yeah. Oh man, she kills me, and uh, I'm super thankful. She's my nutritionist girlfriend, and she you know she knows how to get me in good shape. She played soccer collegially, so it, it works out well. I, I saw. I think it was today. You uh, posted about you cutting your own hair. I couldn't do that, bro. Couldn't do it. Yeah, I got a pretty easy haircut though. I just buzz the sides and everything, and just leave the top long. So. I, I can't imagine doing yours with that. Uh, no, I, I got to go to the barber, man. Got to go to the barber, you know, <laughs> got to get that taken care of. Uh, then we got uh, Frankie Science and Jonathan Martinez. Uh, I spoke to Jonathan Martinez about, uh, I don't know, I guess about two weeks ago. Yep. And he's coming off that controversial split decision wa- loss against Andre Old. Of course, we all remember, you know, that uh, that fight. And, you know, and obviously the big thing he said to me is, and, and, and Jonathan is, is a man of not many words. But he, he said, he goes, look, I'm, I'm not letting this thing go to the judge's decision. You know, and uh, you look at Frankie Science and a guy that's, you know, 39 years old, been around uh, for some time, but it is his first fight since March of 2019. Uh, seven of his nine fights in the UFC have gone distances, coming off that TKO loss uh, against Marlon Vera. Jonathan Martinez, two and two in the UFC should be noted uh, him and, and Chris Gutierrez, both out of factory act, both on this fight car. They're, they're close friends train with each other all the time. So I think that's something to also note about this fight. Yeah. Great points, Jason. And uh, you know, Martinez does have some promise at the 135 pound division and science is five and four in the UFC, but I mean, 39 years old at this point in his career, how much does he have left in the tank? Um, you know, science only has a 42% finish rate. So if you are expecting him to go out there and finish Jonathan Martinez, most likely that's not going to happen. Anything can happen. Um, Martinez has 73% finish rate. I like Martinez in the matchup. I just don't know if it's the most DFS friendly fight. Uh, science has been working at for a fight ready. Jonathan Martinez has been working with Chris Gutierrez. Um, I think Martinez is better on the feet, has great knees up the middle. If science is looking to take it to the, fu- take it to the mat as he should, because science does have good wrestling in his back pocket, but I wish he really went for it more. Um, if you look at the, at his stats, he's averaging 1.77 takedowns per 15 minutes. So they are there and it's possible he goes that route and it would make things more interesting. Uh, t- two things out here in the super chat. Uh, Joe, once again, man, really appreciate the donation there. He says, he goes, I'm friends with Holland and one of his head coaches on Facebook. Holland talks about how important this fight is. And he wants a finish then has a call out. I- I'll tell you this. <laughs> so when I talked to Grant Dawson before his last fight, yeah. he tells me how he has a call out, call out, call out. gets the win. Nothing happens. I talked to him a couple days later. I go, man, where- where's the call out? He's like, yeah, well, my days of 45 are basically he is still open the door to 45 rest of his team's like, no, you're a 55 for now. Yeah, um, and so he basically said, he's like, yeah, I didn't want to call it a 45 because I thought they might try to give me a 45 pound fight on short nose. And that just couldn't happen. Uh, Samuel. Hey, appreciate you. Your uh, donation there in the uh, chat. He goes, who's going to be the highest own underdog. 
Um, I just don't underdog. I would say probably Ed Herman, honestly. I think uh, Ed Herman, if, you, if you're looking on – it's tough to say that, though, because I feel like Mearshart's going to carry some heavy, heavy ownership as well. Um, but I, I would – Well, Mearshart's the favorite. Yeah, yeah. I, I meant just ownership in general because of his, uh, his finishing ability. So um, looking at Alex's projections as we currently stand, yep. your highest own underdog would be – on DraftKings, Nate Manis. Really? And on FanDuel. That's crazy. Jen- Jennifer Maya? Interesting. Interesting. I think yeah, that. Jennifer Maya. I think Herman's going to be pretty heavily on it. Actually, Herman on FanDuel is, is the, uh, has the highest ownership of, of an underdog. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I, I, and we'll, we'll get into that fight here um, momentarily. Actually, it is the next fight we're going to talk about, Merchart and, and Herman. I think that in terms of this is a GPP fight. But yeah. it's, it's going to be a lot like uh, the Paul Craig fight last week where you knew you had to have that fight, but you knew if you got it wrong, you're going to have like five points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hate those fights. Uh, you know, as far as the Martinez and Science fight, is it the best fight for DFS? I'm not sure. I mean, 8,600, no. I kind of like Martinez. Signs at 7,600 if he goes to take down well. Um, let me let me throw out something. Who is Frankie Signs' best win? It's going to blow your mind in everybody's mind. Don't even look it up. Oh, okay. I, I, I remember because I was looking at it earlier. Because he won three in a row years ago. Ready, was, it, was it during that stretch? Nope. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow everybody's mind. I feel like I know this. Once you say it, it's going to click in my mind. Who is Rob Dalishvili. Really? Yes. Frankie I've been Sa- Rob's only loss. He has a win over Rob Dalishvili. It's insane. It was in two, two, 2017 split decision. So that goes to show you that science can step up and take out some top people. So tread carefully here with the Martinez ownership. I do like Martinez, and Martinez is my pick. But it goes to show you if Science has anything left in the tank, maybe 7,600 isn't a bad play. Yeah, 8,600, I just don't really yeah. score enough. If he gets a stoppage, he could. It all but I, I have a feeling this is going off 15 minutes. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Herman and, and Mearshart. Here, here's what concerns me about Mearshart. A, it's at 205, not 185. Yeah. He got knocked out June 6th. We're, we're June 30th. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking essentially two months between fights. Um, from your perspective, from the fighters aspect, do you believe yeah. that's too quick of a turnaround? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Uh, if I'm being honest, and even though Mirashart's my pick for the fight, I do think that's too quickly quick of a turnaround. I'm thinking if I was coaching guys, right, and one of my mm-hmm. fighters got knocked out, no way I'm letting him take a quick turnaround fight. I don't care if he got dropped and then spun around, spun behind and hit with ground and pound and was blocking the ground and pound. The fact that he basically lost his legs for a little bit and was flash KO'd essentially, I would say take some time off. Let that brain heal because your chin only can take so many shots. And once it advantage you, Jason, it really, really advantage you. And like you can't even take normal shots. So it's concerning, but at the same point, I would, I would 
be saying that Mearshart should take more time off if he got like extremely knocked out unconscious. He got dropped and wobbled and people get hurt every fight, but he didn't get, he got, it's weird to say he got finished, but it's not like he was put out. So flash KOs happen even in training. So I personally would be protecting my fighter and say, you need to take some time off, but I kind of get it. Mearshart here at 8,300 with a 94% uh, finish rate. That's insane. Herman has an 80% finish rate. You guys probably need this fight. And uh, Herman's going to be popular at 7,900, Jason. Yeah, I, I think – I just feel like I think it's a GPP fight. I, I know I've got a roster yep. with somebody in this fight. Don't don't feel comfortable either way. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because they're like mirror images. Uh, you know, same height, same reach, just uh, seven years the elder for Herman. Um you know, it's a it's a crossroads for Mearshart because he's six and five in the UFC. Herman's 12, 11, and one. Talk about you know a who's who of he who he's fought. It's crazy, and he's lasted in the UFC for quite some time now. But the reality is, he's tough, and he gets by in his grit and his punching power. But he's really, you know, he's not going to stick around too too much longer. Whereas Mearshart's finishing ability, submission wise, makes it interesting. And uh, you know, Mearshart. Three strikes a minute, three and a half absorbed, negative ratio there. But if he can get a hold of Herman and take him down with his 2.34 takedowns per 15 minutes, even though Herman does have decent, decent takedown defense, I'm signing with Mearshar here, and I like him. Great multiplier is over on Superdraft on this fight if you want if you want to yeah. roster this fight. Ed yeah. Herman, 1.5 times. Gerald Mershart, 1.3 times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the value is there for Superdraft. And if you like Herman because he throws heavy leather and has knocked out plenty of people, and if he does clip Mearshart, maybe he finishes him. But I think Ian Heinish is leaps and bounds above Ed, Ed Herman, I mean, in my opinion, as far as, like, punching power. I know it's up a weight class, but I still think Ian Heinish can throw any overhand as good as anybody in any division. I really do. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to try to weigh too heavily on that past performance. I think Mearshart can get it done more ways than one here. Not the best striker, but very, very talented on the mat. Of course, that is the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. This is the UFC Vegas number five DFS strategy show right here on awesomemode.com. Of course, we are sponsored by Superdraft, the future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mold multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and a load of line of freedom. Use your fancy sports knowledge to draft any player you want any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NBA, MLB, PGA, NASCAR, and MMA so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using the promo code AWESOMO10 and it's $10 free on your first deposit of $10 or more or $20 total free on your first deposit of $100 or more. Download in the App Store or play at Superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. Now, of course, uh, be sure to uh, head over to awesomeo.com and sign up for the Awesomeo Plus MMA Weekly Pass where you get access to all the great Awesomeo Plus tools and content for the upcoming MMA DFS slate with the Awesomeo Plus MMA Weekly Pass for $8.95. This includes full access to all of Awesomeo's leading fire projections, ownership projections, and top fighter tool. There's never been a better time for MMA DFS, so step into the Octagon 
today. Now, uh, I know uh, some people in the chat have been talking about this Ray Borg and uh, Nate Manis fight, and people looking at Nate as potentially that low 7K option that could be kind of chalky in, in a way. But uh, we've been talking about Ray Borga today where because of the takedown abilities, this could be a break-the-slate type fight for Ray Borg. Yeah, you know who has a one-way ticket to takedown city? It's Manis. And uh, I, I like Ray Borg quite a bit. And no disrespect to Manis at all. Uh, this is UFC debut. He's been waiting for this his entire career. He only has a 55% uh, finish rate, whereas Ray Borg has 54% finish rate. But Ray Borg has been fighting some of the best fighters in the world for quite some time now. And let me blow your mind. He's under 30. Ray Borg is 26. It feels like he's about 35. And that's crazy. Yeah, wow. Because think about when he fought Demetrius Johnson. You know what I mean? Like, uh, seven and five in the UFC. So that's 12 more UFC fights than Manis. And I understand the the argument for Manis is he has, he packs a punch. He's good. Uh, you know, he has, he's 5'10 against Ray Bork, who's 5'4. He has a 72 inch reach. Okay. So that's a nine inch reach advantage, which is insane. But Ray Bork's most likely not going to stand up with him. Uh, you saw him stand up with Ricky Simone because Ricky Simone was the superior wrestler in that situation and the stronger, bigger guy. Uh, Man is here. If he throws some shots, I'm guessing Ray Borg's going to duck underneath, press him against a cage, and ultimately, you know, rinse and repeat, take him down over and over and over, racking up tons of points. The potential for Ray Borg here at 9,000 is incredible. Um, you know, it's not like Manis is some crazy, efficient finisher where he's going in there and can actually finish Ray Borg. Why do I think Manis is going to come into the UFC and put away Ray Borg when plenty of people in the UFC couldn't do that to him? Um, but the, the one argument you could say is Ray Borg's not a 135er. Ray Borg should be at 125 pounds. Mm -hmm. He's always going to be facing a size disadvantage. So uh, that's something he's just going to have to deal with. One of my fighters is super short, okay? And he's pretty big. So he's always going to be at a reach and size disadvantage. That's just the reality. I love Ray Bort. He's going to be a staple, okay, in most of my lineups. If I was going to uh, have him in a parlay, I would do that straight up, minus 245. Not the best odds. I like him here, though. Much more favorable matchup for him here in this spot oh than God. it was his last fight against Marab. So put some that's like, And Marab was going to – hand him the ticket to take down city, but like Ray Borg in this matchup, you know, maybe we're, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe Ray Borg's going to go out there and have that striking output that he did against Ricky Simone, because he was really putting it on Ricky Simone standing up. And I know they were kind of just having fun back and forth, but Ray Borg's speed, his hands are crisp, crazy. I think this is a gimme right here. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Then we got uh, Eric Spicely versus Marcus Perez. We're, we're both very familiar with Eric Spicely. I've, I don't know. I've probably interviewed Eric Spicely five, six, seven times. Um, I mean, look, we all know about his jujitsu. I mean, and, um, you know, I, I think the question with, with Eric to me is always kind of, you know, if he doesn't get the fight to the ground, can he win the fight? Um, this is an underdog spot for him here. Um, you know, but we have seen him shine in some of these underdog roles. Yeah. Okay. So Eric Spicely, I know so much about Eric Spicely. Um, you know, we cross trained together several times and, uh, I like him a lot. I will always root for Eric Spicely. And when I tell you that this kid's ground game is legit, 
legit as it comes, I truly believe he can submit anybody. In the, like his submissions are incredible. His ground game is incredible, but his takedowns really aren't the best um, as far as UFC is considered. So, uh, you know, the fight against Perez, 8,500 against 7,700. I'm going to sprinkle in spicily in several of my lineups because of that submission ability and that, you know, if he wins, most likely he catches somebody in a sub, whether it's a leg lock or whatnot, because he scrambles so well. But we have to take into consideration the stats as well. I mean, throwing 3.7 strikes per minute and absorbing absorbing 5.72. And I know that's a little bit ballooned because of, uh, you know, his fight against Duran win. But neither one of these guys, you know, have had the best UFC run. Two and three for Perez, two and five for Spicely in the UFC. I think it's going to be close. And if Perez gets tired and initiates the clinch and tries to take Spicely down, Spicely's a threat off of his back. He really, he's a threat on the ground and he can sweep anybody. So I think Spicely is a live dog here uh, at 7,700. He's a plus 175 dog. I'll have some shares of Perez because, um, when Spicely does lose, he tends to get finished, Jason, and that's the truth. Um, Perez with a 75% finish rate, Spicely with 83%. I think this is a nice spot either way. Sprinkle in some Spicely, but I think Perez could do enough to get it done. One thing I'll mention is I'd much rather have Marcus Perez at 8,500 than Jonathan Martinez at 8,600. Um, yeah, I, that makes sense because, you know, Jonathan Martinez – well, if you look at the finish rates, they, they're they pretty close, Jason. Um, Martinez has a 73% finish rate. Um, Perez has a 75% finish rate, and that's based off of their wins, their entire career wins. Um, yeah. But I, I think that Spicely in the UFC, there's a lot of tape on how to beat him, and that's just the truth. But that unknown jiu-jitsu submission ability is there, and it's, it's live. And I'm telling you, all it takes is one slip-up. Spicely could, you know, be against the cage and Perez overextends on a hook, slips or whatever, and Spicely takes his back for a second or just gets slightly behind him. And now you're talking about somebody who has some of the best jiu-jitsu on the planet. I'm telling you, Spicely on the ground is legit. So Perez is my pick, but I'll sprinkle in Spicely because he deserves it. Two more fights to uh, break down before we get out of here. We got Jamal Emmers versus Timur Valiev. Valiev, uh, good old buddy with Zabit Magomedov Sherboff. If you've not seen that uh, Instagram post by Zabit, congratulations as they both look like the robbers from Home Alone. Just a tremendous video that Zabit put out there uh, last week. Uh, Valiev, you do got to pay. You know, he's one of three guys on this card making their UFC debut. He is the favorite in this one. Um, I like him more on DraftKings than I do FanDuel. Um, Super Drive, I think he's got a good multiplier at 1.3 times. Yeah, so I like Valiev a lot here. Uh, Timmer, I think, is so skilled. Should have been in the UFC for quite some time. 16-2 uh, and two overall. Um, traditionally a 35er, Jason, which is a little worrisome facing, you know, going up in, in weight against Jamal Emmers. But Emmers really disappointed in his last – fight out and I know I was on Giga Chikaze to pull the victory and get a get a KO but Giga squeaked out a decision you know it was very very close so I don't know if he really deserved that but the, the point is Emmers here shouldn't have lost to Giga Chikaze he really shouldn't have and I think Valiev is so much better and is so skilled so Valiev at 8400 is somebody I'll sprinkle in I don't have the highest of hopes because he does have only a 44 percent 
finish rate. But if you think of Jamal Emmers, his two losses, okay, Giga Chikaze, Julian Arosa. That was on the Contender Series. But two of, I would say, the low, low, low level of the UFC, if we're being completely honest. Yeah. Um, then the opening fights, Chris Gutierrez versus Cody Durden. Uh, Durden taking this fight about a week and a half notice. Uh, trains out of Douglas Lima's gym, American Top Team, just outside of Atlanta. He had a fight like two weeks ago. He fought in a one-night tournament. So if you go to his topology, you see three fights in one night. Uh, that tournament is where it's a one-night tournament. They've done multiple weight classes. The winner takes home 10K. So uh, go go find a place on regional scene where you can make $10,000 on one night, Pete. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be doing that tournament too. Um you know, I think uh, I think if Durden had a, a full camp, this could be something that would be very, very interesting. And um, I know that he's been in the cage more recent than Gutierrez. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, he fought uh, like within the last two weeks at, at a show up in Atlanta. I mean, look to me, the key for for Cody and, and uh, Brian asked this if he was crazy for backing uh, Cody in the spot is to me he's got to use his wrestling. I, I, you can't, you know. We saw what with, I mean, it was on display against Vince Morales, but leg kicks is what, that's Chris Gutierrez's primary attack. He, so he's got to be able to stop that. To me, it, it's about Durden's got to get the fight to the ground. If this stays on the feet, it's Chris Gutierrez all day long. Um, does he pay off the 9200 on DK? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he does. I think it's ballooned because of his previous performance and we spoke of why we liked Gutierrez and I spoke of why I really like Gutierrez and his kicks in the past performances. Cause he was facing a guy who primarily likes to box did have wrestling background, but likes to box. So he's very, very heavy on that front leg. When you're heavy on that front leg, you are susceptible to getting taken down. Now, if Gutierrez goes to the leg kick well against Durden, Durden's a very good wrestler. You could be looking at him chaining together takedowns and using it to get a hold of Gutierrez, especially with the small cage. So, uh, I think Gutierrez is going to pick his shots a little bit better here, even though he did get the victory. I think he has to be a little bit more careful because Durden could take him down and put him on his back. So 7K option Durden is definitely somebody to sprinkle in some lineups and somebody to consider because we have seen Gutierrez get taken down. One was against, you know, Howie Barcelos, who is, has some incredible jujitsu. But the point is, is Durden can take him down and stay on top of them, it's a completely different fight. Um, and, you know, it totally nullifies Gutierrez's strength, which is his striking, and it makes the fight closer than it should be. Uh, I still like Gutierrez. I think he can get back to his feet and do enough to get the decision. I don't think it's the best performance for DFS at 9,200, Jason. But in saying that, I'm obviously going to have some dirt in. He's a guy... One of the underdogs that I have a ton of interest in, like if I had to go back and say who for me personally, I don't have any interest in, I'd say Jamal Emmers. And that's just me personally. Yeah. Right now, Fanduel, we have no price on, on that fight. So we'll, we'll see where we at come Saturday. Uh, let's go down our picks here before we get answered some questions before we get out of here. Uh, here's my picks. Uh, Shabazian, Calderwood, Luke, Green, Holland, Martinez, Herman. Don't wow. feel good about that. Don't feel good about that one. Uh, Borg, Perez, Valiev, and Gutierrez. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going Shabazian, Calderwood, Randy Brown, um, Green, Holland, Martinez, Mearshart, Borg, Perez, 
Valiev, Gutierrez. And uh, let's get a couple of questions before we get out of here. Uh, kind of rapid fire these ones. Uh, is Durden the Ronson of this week? Yeah, absolutely. Durden absolutely is. He has a 91% finish rate, Jason, up against Gutierrez's 53% finish rate. Um, uh, would you say uh, Manis is going to be uh, the chalk 7K guy? I don't get that. I don't get that. Uh, I mean, his reach and his height literally won't matter if he's on his back, and that is the truth. Uh, Sam says, Green and Herman are my top two underdogs. Green, Bobby Green and her. Yeah, I think that's going to be a popular build, honestly. I don't think that's – I think that's what everybody's going to do. They saw Mearshar get finished, and they think Herman can knock him out. Um, will the contrarian play be going heavy on your favorite underdogs this week? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if you try to have exposure everywhere, ultimately you end up with – not the correct, you know, recipe for the optimal lineup. It's just, you tend to get unlucky that way. So if you take an aggressive stance on some of the underdogs, obviously you're either going to be winning or losing. And, uh, you know, if you hit that correctly, you could be jumping up the leaderboard. Uh, Sam goes, we all know Jason's feels about the first five tonight. Are you passing this week on the fight on the first fight? I would say I'll have probably a couple of shares of Gutierrez. Um, I much in the nine K option. I'd rather have Shabazian and uh, and Ray Borg. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, if I were to have any shares of that first fight, I actually be taking a chance on Durden and just if Gutierrez ends up with a good score, oh well, uh, I'll take that. Let's end on this one, Samuel. Top three MVPs on Fanduel. Okay, you got to look at Shabazian. Um, Gonna be chalky though. Gotta, gotta note that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in saying what I said earlier about Vicente Luque, Randy Brown, whoever you like in that matchup, for me it'd be Randy Brown, but I can't hate you if you say Vicente Luque. Um, Ray Borg at seventeen. Man, that's that is juicy. I like I like that a lot. I'm gonna give you something more juicier about that. When we look at our projections right now, Pete, in the MVP spot, Ray Borg, four point three percent. That's insane. Okay, so I'm just like how you guys all hit with Tom Aspinall. I told you that dude is nasty. Okay, um, I like Jemaya was Jemaya was still optimal in, in the MVP spot though. Yeah, only by like what eight points, nine points. Yeah, um, you know. But he was so cheap at twenty dollars last week on Fanduel. That was yeah, that, that was, was easy money. Uh, yeah, and I don't have the Fanduel salaries for Gutierrez or Durden because Fanduel has not released yeah. them yet. So. Pay attention to that. Maybe they mispriced that badly. So we'll, we'll have to take advantage of it. Of course, uh, we'll be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock as we'll get you ready for these fights. Of course, be sure to check out all the covers we got over at awesome.com. NBA is back, so you got to check out all the NBA coverage. Uh, it's a game. we got a game going on right now. Of course, all our MLB coverage as well. Of course, be sure to give Pete a follow on Twitter and Instagram at PeteTheHeatMA. I'm also at Jason underscore Floyd. So that's going to wrap it up for this DFS strategy show for UFC Vegas number five.
Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.